The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 22. 1 Samuel chapter 22. I won't be able to get into the whole entire story of, of David, but most of us, I believe, in this room have somewhat of an idea of who David was. Uh, David was a man after God's own heart. Uh, what an amazing title. Uh, someone that was after God. You know, we're going through a series with the teenagers starting this past Wednesday about crazy, the crazy love of God, that he's crazy about us. And you could say, just looking at David's life, that he was crazy about God. He wasn't perfect, uh, but because of his personal, pa- passionate relationship with Christ, he was able uh, to come back to the Lord and be able to, you know, I even talked with the teenagers, you know, how many times, you know, in Scripture when somebody was confronted or, or maybe in your life you did something wrong, you were confronted, you would say, yes, I have sinned, but, and you give your example why, but David, listen, what do you say? I have sinned. It was my fault. And David just had this, this, this uh, attitude of just always and constantly being after the Lord and wanting to seek and follow his will. But in Second Sam- or First Samuel chapter 22, uh, if, you, if you still have your place in Psalm 57, uh, it says, uh, a Psalm of David, it's when he fled from Saul in a cave. And uh, there's two moments in, in uh, David's life where he fled to a cave. And, and the first one is in chapter uh, 22 of 1 Samuel, where he says this, uh, David at this point, uh, I mean, from the time that, that Saul threw that javelin at him, I mean, David's life was never going to be the same. That moment that David, or that Saul's heart was uh, envious and jealous towards uh, David. And David, as we know, did nothing wrong. He did nothing that would, uh, uh, he did everything right in the sight of the Lord. But yet Saul was envious of him because he knew he was going to be the next king of Israel. And uh, Saul, from that point, I'm talking from the very point he threw that first javelin at him, his life was never going to be the same. I mean, he's on the run. Uh, I mean, he's, he's going to not see his family, his friends. Uh, he was knit together with Jonathan, and, and we know the story. And at this point, he's running back to the city of Gath. And, and the city of Gath was a place where, where, where he just, you know, Goliath was a hometown. I mean, he was uh, going into that territory. I mean, the Eagles, right, they beat the Vikings, and now they're going into the city of, Miss, you know, they're in Minnesota, right? And uh, that's kind of like the situation. And really think about this now in David's part. I mean, David had just cut, the, I mean, I don't know when the time frame was, but he had not long ago had cut this guy's head off. I mean, he, this was their warrior, Goliath, and now he's going back into enemy territory. I mean, I wonder how David walked in, kind of like, hey, guys, what's going on, you know? Hey, no hard feelings, right? You know, you bury the head, I mean, the hatchet, I mean, you know, what? I mean, you know, I, you go in there, I mean, what was the attitude of him? And they're like, does this guy really got that much, you know, spunk in him that he's going to walk in this place after he just killed our leader? You know, and but the Bible says we know that he had to act crazy because back then you couldn't kill crazy people. So they let the spit come down his beard, and uh, they said, "All right, be away with him." But then eventually he they had to drive him out of the city, and he went to the cave. and And this was the first instance of his cave. and And uh, I don't have time to. I wanted to show some pictures of the actual caves that David ran to. But when you think of a cave, it's not a man cave. I mean, this is a cold, at nighttime, it is, is cold. You don't know what is back there, what kind of animals are going to creep up to you at night. Uh, I mean, it's dark. It's not like he had his iPhone and he could put the flashlight thing on. I mean, he, I mean this, this was a cave. Uh, this was a spot. But if you look in verse, uh, uh, of chapter 22, verse 1, David therefore departed thence and escaped uh, to uh, Adullam. 
a cave called Adullam. Uh, and when his house and brethren, all his father's house, heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, everyone that was in debt, everyone that was uh, discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. So uh, David's having uh, a time there where he's having a little pity party. And all the guys said, hey, listen, we're, having, we're struggling too. We'll, we'll come join you. And, and I'd be in that group. Uh, I joined him with David. I said, hey, I'll, go, I'll, I'll rally around you and uh, go, to the, go a couple chapters over to 1 Samuel chapter 24. And this is the second time uh, that David was in the cave. And this is all just background leading into uh, Psalm 57. But he says in verse, 20, uh, verse 1 of chapter 24, this is uh, after uh, he was driven to another cave. And it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, behold, David is in the wilderness of En uh, then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of Israel, went to seek David and, and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. I mean, this was a, a place where there was actually, and if you look it up, there's actually a place where goats inhabit. I mean, this is a place where uh, animals such as goats are there. And uh, if you actually look at the place of this particular cave, it's, it looks like a really small opening. And uh, but when you walk inside, because him and his men had to hide in there, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty wide cave. It, it didn't look like that from the outside, but when you got inside, I mean, you could see, well, yes, those men definitely could hide behind and hinder parts of that cave. Uh, but uh, he, the, the men flee into there, right? And in verse number four, and the men of David said unto him, uh, I'm sorry, verse number three, uh, after uh, Saul went out to look from among the rocks, and, uh, and it came to pass to the sheep goats, by the way, there was a cave. And this is where David and his men were hiding from Saul. And, and again, Saul doesn't have a GPS. Saul doesn't, uh, he's not tra- looking at uh, David's transactions and following, finding out where he's at, what hotel he stayed at. I mean, I mean David is trying, uh, or Saul is trying to, uh, just by word of mouth, find out where David is. And uh, there's no helicopters looking for him. There's no GPS tracker. There's nothing. And so, uh, really, if you're thinking about uh, David and his men, I mean, they're always and constantly were on the run, on the run, on the run. They were fugitives for the wrong reasons, but they were fugitives. And, uh, and Saul went in to cover his feet, went to rest himself, went to, I mean, he's been, he's been walking just as much as David has. And he walks into the cave that David and his men are hiding. Uh, and David and his men remain in the sides of the cave. Now, understand this, uh, and I won't get into the story just in just a moment, the rest of it. But understand that uh, at this point, uh, Saul had wreaked so much havoc in David's life, and not only in the life of David, but those that were following him. I mean, David, I mean, he was going through some hardships. He was going through some pain. Uh, he was going through a lot of things. And, and, uh, and you, you would say that, it would, would it be justifiable if David just cut his head off? I mean, he did it with Goliath. He could do it again. I mean, I would, God said and promised them. And promised David that he would deliver their enemies into their hand. And, and look at this. This isn't by coincidence. This isn't by uh, just sheer luck. But God uh, brought, I mean, uh, Saul comes in and, and goes into the presence. And, and I'll tell you what, if I was Saul, that'd be creepy to know. And later on he finds out that, you know, David got up close to him. But to, to think that, man, hundreds of men were in the cave, that I was just going there just to kick my feet up for a second. And to know that David had that opportunity. But when you read Psalm 57... Uh, and Psalm 56 talks about his time deliverance from Gath. But when he was in the cave in Psalm 57, you, you find this prayer. And it's a theme that David always has. He says, be merciful unto me, O God. He's like, oh, God, be merciful unto me. And I'm glad, I don't know about you, but I'm glad for the mercy of God. I need his mercy. I need his grace. I love how he says it twice. He's like, be merciful unto me. I wonder if he starts that prayer. Be merciful to me. Then he realizes, yes, 
Oh God, be merciful unto me. And then he says in the second part, I will cry unto God the most high, uh, cry unto God the most high uh, unto God that performeth all things before me. And he starts really relaying his problem, saying that they're out to get me, that their tongues are sharp as swords, that the things that they say, the things that they do, the things that they're about to uh, and try and uh, uh, encompass me. He talks about here, if you look at verse 1, he says, my, uh, in, the way, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge unto these, until these calamities pass over. The word calamities could, all, could just be interpreted uh, until this storm that could engulf me or swallow me up. Until it passes over. I mean, this was a burden on David. Uh, I've always wanted to be David when I was younger. I thought David, and I was, I think, even for one uh, uh, VBS thing, I was David, and I remember cutting the head off of uh, a certain person, and, and I remember the, the great joy and awesome of, man, you're a five-year-old boy, and you're cutting a guy's head off. It feels great. Uh, but you know what? We want to be like David, but if you really want to be like David, you don't want to be this part of his life. Uh, you don't want to go through the hardships uh, uh, you know, uh, we count it as joy of them that endure, right? We, we see that these, uh, uh, these people that, like David have gone through so much hardship in their life, and David was going through a lot, and he talked, just like every other psalm, he's talking about uh, that, uh, how uh, be merciful unto me, O God, and how uh, all these uh, trials are about me, but then he always switches gears. He always gets to a point where he says, this is my problem, God, this is my problem, God, oh, be merciful to me, please swallow them up, don't let them swallow me up, but he always changes gear. And you know what? We're going to talk about the outcome of Saul being in his presence, whether he killed him or not. And I know some of you know the story, but understand this, that I believe the whole reason why David was in tune with God and that why he did not kill Saul and why he did not have that opportunity, although I believe in my perspective, he had every right to go do that. He had every right to to end his misery, uh, his life, his run as a fugitive. But David uh, had one thing that I want for myself. Uh, yes, it was a personal, passionate relationship with God, and that's one that I strive to have and I don't have, and I'm not an example that, arrived, that has arrived there. But look at verse number seven. This is what I believe is what hinges upon in our lives, where we, uh, when it comes to problems, decisions, things that we have to have, he says, my heart is fixed. He said, oh God, my heart is fixed. His heart was broken, and then God repaired it. What, did he have a, did he, did he pop a, did he have a heart attack? Did he, no, not the physical sense. That word fixed means established. He says, my heart, my eyes, my soul, my body is fixed on Christ. Everything about every fiber of my being is fixed on him. You know, we heard last week, uh, Pastor, talking a little bit about Peter, right? And we always make fun of Peter, like, oh, Peter, shame on you. But how many of you, when you're in a storm in Christ and it looks like a ghost and you hop out there and, yes, you're walking for a little bit, that's pretty cool. But then how many of you would, I'd tell you what, I probably would never even hopped out of the boat. But the moment we understand, he looks at, looks at his problems, look at his uh, situation, he sinks. But understand that David, in his life, while he was able to make decisions that were for the Lord, while he was able to make uh, great leaps for God, was because his heart was fixed on him. And I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know if you're unfixed. I don't know if you're uh, movable. Uh, the Bible says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and unmovable. Uh, I don't know where you're at in your life, but when problems come, when problems, and they're going to come, it's guaranteed. But how we stand in the end is whether or not our heart is fixed on Jesus Christ. Uh, he says this, and I'm just going to go through a few short points. I don't have much time at all. I'm already used most of it. Uh, but I, want to, I just want to show you how uh, the difference between those who have their heart fixed on Christ and those that don't. First of all, uh, those whose ha- heart is fixed on Christ, they trust the Lord with their problems. 
They trust the Lord with their problems. He said, be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Uh, he, he, if you go back to the story uh, of him in the cave and, and Saul is right there, I mean, there's the epitome of his problem in front of him. I mean, he has a golden opportunity, and his men say it. I mean, if you go back to that verse, that his men are saying, hey, listen, David, did not God promise that you would, he would bring your enemies into your hand? Listen, brother, we got an opportunity right here. You can take him out right here. I mean, there, there, there's no other opportunity. There's no time like the present, and it is now. David, go for it. I'm surprised none of the men. I'd be right there. Because of this guy, I can't have a family, or I can't go see my family. Uh, I, I, I can't live a normal life. I'm always on the run. You know, when the Bible says they fled to places, I don't know about you, but I immediately go to my mind like they got there like that. You know, that, that they said, and they departed unto this. You know, they didn't have Uber. They didn't have cars. They didn't have any of those things. It was a journey. I can imagine them being tired, blisters on their feet, uh, being frustrated. Uh, imagine not seeing your parents and seeing your family or seeing anybody but other than the brothers, the brothers that are around you that you're uh, trying to keep together and encourage each other. And, and he's going about and he's going into a cave and he has all this problems for all these years with, with Saul and his opportunity to take care of his problem is right in front of him. But you know the story. He walks in or he, Saul walks in, lays down for a bit and the Bible says he privily went up to him. And you're like, oh, I wonder if the guys are licking their chops like, here it is. The struggle, it's going to be over. And yet, he takes the sword and cuts his robe. And the Bible says that he even felt bad about that. That he said that, that his heart smote him, that he did that. Now, the Bible doesn't say what the reaction was of those men. And maybe because they had a good, they, they really respected David. But if I was one of those men, I'd be like, it'd be one of those, like, dude, you had one job moment, you know? You had one job, and all you had to do was end it. I mean, do you know how much pain he's cost you? Do you know how much suffering he's cost you? I mean, he is the whole reason why we're sleeping in a cave. I mean, he's the whole reason why we can't live life to the fullest and for the Lord. I mean, listen, get rid of him. God already said you're going to be the next anointed king. I mean, take care of him. But none of the men say that. And I don't know if that's what they said, and God didn't choose to record it. But I'm glad that David was so sensitive and fixed on Christ that he says, you know what? This is an opportunity for me to take care of my problem myself. But you know what? I'm going to let God take care of my problem. You know, he says, how can I kill, how can I take, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but how can I take away or kill God's anointed one? He says, listen, I know I'm anointed king, and I'll be the next king of Israel, but the vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. And, you know, we know later that, uh, that they kind of uh, fixed each other's relationship in that point, that when, when Saul left and David uh, yelled at him and said, listen, I had an opportunity. I could have taken you out, brother, but listen, it's like God is merciful, and, and, uh, and God has a plan, and, and we know that from there, you know, he realized, and we know the story, but we have to trust God with our problems. You know, what happens is a person who has a fixed heart makes their problems a matter of prayer. Uh, they trust the Lord with their problems, but you know what? The opposite of that is a person who doesn't trust the Lord, who has an unfixed heart, they take matters into their own hand. And you know what happens when they take matters into their own hand? When they do that, they pray about it, and, you know, and, I, and I have friends that have done it, and even in college, and they take that matter into their own hands, and they put God on it and say, God, God, this is God's will, and this is my, my, his way of, of dealing with my problem. And then when it doesn't work out, then the blame's on God. But yet, really, it was them taking their power or their, their problems into their own hand, and God says, listen, he's got this under control, which leads to my next point. I have to haste a little bit, and I apologize, but uh, trust the Lord with their problems. Uh, that's what a person whose heart is fixed on him, but also, number two, a person whose heart is fixed on Christ, trust the Lord on his protection, in his protection. 
Uh, in Psalm chapter, uh, the very first part, the last half, he says, uh, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. In another Psalm, I believe in 55, he was talking about, again, his problems. And he said, Lord, I just wish I had wings like a dove, and I could just fly out of this mess. How many of you have been there? Just give me wings. I want to get out of here. Here's the surrender flag, right? I'm waving it. I just, it's so easier just to just turn around and go home, right? It's so easier, and I don't blame them. But you know what? Instead of trusting in a dove's wings, and so to speak, and, and flying out of there, he trusts in the shadow of his Savior's wings. And understand that God's going to protect him. Uh, you know, I talk with my wife a few times about different things, and, you know, we're scared of Chloe and Noel getting sick. We're scared of, you know, we're, all, you know, we have, we're very, you know, uh, active as far as going to things and, and being a part of things. But, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying you should be careless and, you know, if you have children, you know, make sure, you know, you're not just sicking them out there in 72-degree weather with no coat and all that kind of stuff. But, but I said there one day, I said, you know what, I said, all the things that we're doing, all these, uh, you know, the services and, and different stuff, I said, listen, if, if God is in it and he's with us, he's going to protect our children. You know, he, if God is in it and we're in his will and we're following his will, he's going to protect them. You know, you, you have to have that point of trust where your heart is so fixated on Christ. And, and when your heart is fixated on Christ, you, you have this comfort, this peace of knowing that God's in control, that he's going to protect you. Those whose heart is fixed on the Lord are confident that the Lord will protect them and prevail. Uh, they're comf- they comfort in, and rest in his protection. But a person with an unfixed heart, whose heart is somewhere else, who's not focused on Christ, uh, they're fearful. They're restless. If, imagine if David didn't have Christ and he was in that cave. Who knows what he'd be writing? Who knows what? I know what I would write. I know that if I didn't have the Lord or have that hope and trust in him that he's going to uh, make things prevail. Uh, what did David say in Psalm uh, chapter 56 and verse, 34, uh, three, verse 3 and 4? He says this, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. When a person's heart is fixated, is, is totally focused on Christ, uh, they're, they're not fearful. Not saying that fear will never enter into their life, but God says, I've not given you that spirit. He says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And those of us who have Christ and those of us who have him will have fear. But can I tell you, we'll be able to just kick it out like that. Because we'll say, you know what? The Lord is with us and we trust in him. Not only do those who trust in the Lord, uh, are, uh, they, give their, they trust in the Lord with their problems. Uh, they trust that the Lord will protect them, but also that they trust in the Lord and his plan. Those that are fixated on Christ, those that have a fixed heart, an established heart on his will. Uh, if you look at verse number two again, uh, he talks about, I will cry unto the most high God, unto God that performeth what? All things for me. You know, it's great to know, and I love the, my favorite verse in Jeremiah is the, is the beginning. Uh, he, where he says, you know, from, that, from the time you were in your mother's womb, he said, I ordained thee to be a prophet. From the very time you were born, I mean, before the foundations of the world, I, the billions of people on earth, God says, I have a plan for you. Talked to the kids about crazy love and the crazy love of Christ. We talked about certain uh, crazy facts. You know that a caterpillar has 228 distinct muscles in its head. And, you know, we talk about that song, you know, if his eye is on the sparrow, we know he's watching me. If God can be so distinct and so careful and so... Uh, 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 meticulous uh, with a caterpillar of being so distinct with giving him 228 distinct muscles in his head, man, you got to have to understand that God has, God has got a plan for you, that God's going to protect you, that God's going to uh, wants you to trust in him. Those that trust in the Lord, those who have a fixed heart, they trust in the Lord and his plans, and they, they die to their plans. You know, David could have taken care of his problem. David could have walked up and just ended it. But he says, this is not God's plan. This is not God's way. 
But those with an unfixed heart, they hold on to their desires. They hold on to their own plans. I have a good friend of mine in college, and, and you could turn on Facebook, and you could see how many times, I mean, you ever flip through Facebook, and then you, you hit someone, pray for so-and-so, pray for this, and I mean, it's just, you know, your heart goes out to them, and, and one of them and that have continued praying, and I believe our church as well, but uh, his name's Matthew Pennington, and Matthew Pennington's a 10-month-old baby of a good friend of mine, and, and had a tumor right behind his eye, and uh, from the time of his birth, he has had so many surgeries. Uh, they live in Reno, uh, uh, Nevada, and they have to travel to Oakland to do chemotherapy for him. And, and being a father of, of little ones, I mean, you can imagine just what they're going through. But every time you read their posts, they say we're thankful for every day. We don't know what his plan is. We don't know what he's doing or why he's doing it, but we're trusting in him. And we're thankful for every day that we have with him. And just a 10-month-old boy. And understand this, those are the kind of people whose lives are fixated on Christ. They're fixed on him. Their lives are established. Everything about their fiber and their being uh, is fixed on Christ. They're looking unto Jesus, who's the author and finisher of their faith. They're the ones that turn their eyes on Jesus. And, and we're praying that God will do the miracle for their child, but understand that everything about it, whether it's good or bad, God says, um, I, you have to trust my plan. Trust what uh, I have for you. And then lastly, we'll be done, and we have just a few short minutes, but uh, we trust the Lord in his plan. We trust him in our problems. We trust him for his protection. Those that have a fixed heart, by the way, but also... Lastly, those who have a fixed heart, one that wants to follow the Lord, one that's looking unto him, turn their problems into praise. They turn their problems into praise. The very first one through six of Psalm 57, he says, you know what? He said, God, he's like, they're like lions. Their tongues are like sharp swords. Uh, They swallow me up. They make nets. They make all this stuff. And he's very descriptive of how he feels and so to speak of, of, of his problems. But then he just changes gears. And in verse 7, he says, my heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up my glory, my tongue. Uh, Awake sultry and heart, and I myself will uh, awake early. I will what? Praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations, for thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. And he says, he takes his problems and he turns them into praise. Someone who's fixated on Christ, someone who uh, has their way established in Christ, looks to Christ, listen, they can take any, whether it's good or bad, they give praise. Uh, whether it's uh, a hardship or a trial, they give praise. Whether they think everything's good and fine and, and life's a peach, they're, they're praising the Lord. Give, they find ways to give praise to the Lord, but those that have an unfixed heart, they, wall, they swallow up in their pit own pity. Uh, they... they Woe is me, the Eeyores, the, the sadness, uh, uh, those kind of people. And, and I don't know about you, but tonight I want to be a person that is fixated on Christ. I want to be a person that, that looks to Christ and that, yes, I may wander this way, I may wander that way, but I have to remind myself, no, I'm focused on what he has for me. I'm focused on his promise. I'm focused on his will. And I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know if this had, for any of you, you say, well, this is a good message, nice little devo, but maybe some of you tonight, you're like, I have that problem. I look too much to solve it under my own strength and my own flesh. I look too much uh, to uh, uh, maybe protect my family under my own wing and, and my own way and, and do things. And, 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 I, and maybe some of you, you really are. Maybe in your life, you're in a cave. I mean, you're where David is. I mean, David's in a cave when he wrote this. Uh, but understand that David, even though as he starts many psalms, you know, be merciful to me and here's my problems and here's my situation, but God, my heart's fixed on you. I know that in the end, I'm going to prevail. Until these calamities, right, until this storm passes over, he said, I'm going to be, make sure about my life, every fiber of my bone and my being, that I do what you want me to do. 
and that I'm fixed on you. And again, I don't want to be a person that has an unfixed heart. I don't want to be a person that looks to solve my own problems because I know that, listen, I'm a person that likes to figure out things. I like to uh, figure it out. And, and working at a hotel, I remember working with a guy named Joe. And Joe uh, was, you know, probably three times my age. And, and uh, Joe, I mean, just little things that I knew that I could fix myself and I could do it. But he would always kind of say, no, 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 this is how you do it. An Italian guy, no, 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 Brian, this is how you do it. And I'd, sometimes I roll my eyes. I'm like, listen, I'm just flushing a toilet. You know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. It's not rocket science. And I can know I can fix it. But then I would sit back and he would have this way of doing something. And I said, wow. I said, I'm glad I sat back and watched. And I think sometimes, you know, God looks down and, and we want to fix our own problems. We want to fix our situation. And we say, God, I got this. Listen, I got it. And God, he'll, he'll shrug his shoulders and say, sure, go ahead. Do it. And then when it doesn't work and starts sweating, and I remember a couple times that with Joe saying, I got this. And then I'm, he's breathing down my back. And I said, I got this. I got this, Joe. And then I don't got this, Joe. I'm sorry. Let me, let me show you. And you know how many times God will let us find out our own way. He'll, he'll let us, you want to solve your problems without me? Sure, that's what's great about the free will. But let me tell you, listen, if he knows all things, is all powerful in all things, and, and, and he can bring a situation of David's life and bring it come to pass, listen, we can know that we can trust in him. But we all have to make sure in our hearts and in our lives that we're fixed on him, that we are fixed on Christ, that we are not looking to the world, not looking at our situations. And by the way, I'm, I'm human, I'm flesh, and I do the same thing every single day. And I look at my problems, I look at my bank account, I look at everything, and I say, God, I'm frustrated, or, or God, I'm doing this. But I have to remind myself that I'm not the one. God's not surprised. God's not uh, taking off, taking off guard. But God wants us to make sure that we fixate on him, that we look to him. David said, my heart, it's fixed, it's established. God, I know you got this. God, I know you're in it. And I'm not going to worry what man should do unto me. And any time that I should fear what man could do unto me, he said, listen, I'm going to trust in thee. I will trust in thee. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.